Hello, everybody. Kelly Kleiman here, and welcome to episode number one of the Phenomenon Report, a podcast concerning the unknown. On this podcast, we try and get to the bottom of some of the planet's most compelling mysteries. Our subject matter will be esoteric yet compelling. We'll be covering everything from Bigfoot to UFOs, strange undocumented creatures that we call cryptids, unexplained earth phenomena, the paranormal, and much, much more. The concept is as simple, ask questions and question answers. Our mission is to find out if that thing that goes bump in the night is real. Tonight we have with us two guests. One is a gentleman with three decades of state and federal law enforcement experience. He's handled presidential cabinet member security detail in Texas. He's an experienced wilderness rescue professional and is currently managing the coronavirus response efforts syncing up the FEMA resource supply chain with the state of Texas, the great state of Texas. He also happens to be the founder of the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization and reserves many of his active Sasquatch on-site reports from fellow law enforcement officers throughout the region. That includes Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Our second guest, well, that would be Mark Copeland. Uh, he was guided to Troy by law enforcement in his area because he has substantial evidence that a family of Sasquatch are currently sharing his property. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, so they're manifesting occasionally and certainly leaving certain evidence. We're going to get into that in a second. Troy, you're heading the, uh, the, the uh, uh, investigation. Um, Troy, give me an elevator pitch on the network you've built within law enforcement. And uh, these guys continue to funnel you cases. Why? Well, um, a little over about 22, 23 years of law enforcement, combined law enforcement, both city and federal. Uh, through the years, um, and actually, if you actually, I mean, if you go back, I grew up in Oklahoma. My father was a state trooper with Oklahoma Highway Patrol. So my law enforcement ties to Oklahoma go back a lot deeper than just my professional uh, career aspect in law enforcement. I've had the privilege of teaching at the academy level, both at the local level and at the federal level. So I have, have some of the people I used to teach at the academy are now and have been in the field for a number of years. And some of them have gotten to the rank of captain or deputy chief or, or sheriff or whatever. So I already had that connection with them already. And once they knew that I was involved in this through the years, in this particular case uh, at Mark's, um, this, this deputy that actually reached out to me, I've known him for many years. Uh, I've known him a long time and he, he, he has a, a personal interest in the topic itself. And um, in this particular case, for Marks, uh, Mark wasn't receiving uh, the adequate um, uh, uh, response from the sheriff's office as Mark would like. Um, and that's actually been kind of the things that's happened in the past. This is a topic that sometimes the law enforcement tends to, they don't have, I'm not saying they don't, but they just don't have the expertise in that area and they don't have the uh, the the social climate of actually dealing with Bigfoot investigation. So this case, the deputy knew the situation and knew that this is the area where I can help Mark out in. And that's when he reached out to me. This has been the case in several other incidences outside of, of the law enforcement officer just reaching out to me and said, you might be able to, you know, take care of this in a, in, in a manner that you can handle it where on the law enforcement side, you know, they kind of, this is a 
touchy subject. <laughs> sure. Hey, if you're running for election, you're a sheriff and you're chasing Bigfoot around the community, uh, there could be some question as to your credibility. Unfortunately, that's the way they think. Well, before we get into the story here, Mark, um, Troy, when, when you're sending a case from law enforcement, what does the checklist look like before you get involved? Um, outside of, of this particular deputy reaching out to me when I've known him so long when he when he makes a comment and this actually happened before on another case when I answer the phone and they're saying hey uh, I'm out here at such and such location I think you could probably really help these people out I know exactly where he's going with this I know exactly what he's without me going there a checklist actually would be you uh, outside of somebody that I already know that terminology when we talk on the phone Basically is, has this been occurring more than once? Is this, is, is this been occurring over a period of time? Mm -hmm. um, is it not a known person that's coming to the property? Typically, uh, in a case many, many years ago, something similar had happened in, in South Central Texas. Deputy um, was explaining it to me, and I asked, this was a single female lived in a, in a trailer house out in the country, and I asked, well, is it, is has the uh, young lady gone through a, a breakup, uh, a boyfriend, an ex-husband or something? And then basically ruled it down to basically she was being harassed by an ex-boyfriend. So that ruled that out. So there, there are a number of, of information that goes through of what is the situation and why are they calling law enforcement? And if it's a situation where law enforcement's like, we've been out here two dozen times and we can't find nobody. There's no footprints. There's nothing. Um, so if the law enforcement cannot come up with an answer of what's going on, and like in this case, Mark gave that deputy an indication that it was something other than an average human being coming on the property, sure. then that's where we start that interest of, of, yeah, we probably will come out and take a look just to make sure. Yeah, time, to, time to call Scully and Mulder, so to speak, right? <laughs> so, Mark, what the heck's happening on your property? Take us down a timeline. Take us up to the situation with your dogs and how they were acting strange and something happened to one of your dogs. Um, and then we'll take a look at the video and uh, let some of the people, uh, let all the people decide for themselves is there something strange going on. There's a lot of video and there's a lot of photographs. Well, my son, uh, well, it started, I didn't realize it was going on for the last couple of years that I've been here, but, uh, but when I finally become, I took it serious, it when my son had an uh, experience on November the 11th, 2019, he come running in my bedroom and said, Dad, there's a, a bear outside, it has a white face, and it was looking at me. And uh, I, only question I asked him, I said, was it walking like me and you, or was it walking like the horses and the dogs? He said, it was walking like me and you, Daddy, and there was two of them. So I got my I got my rifle. I went outside. I didn't see anything, uh, but I took I took his account serious. And where I had disregarded things in the past, I had watched a documentary called uh, uh, "Missing 411," uh, David Pilata's documentary, and there was a there was a story in that documentary about a child that described uh, a bear taking care of it, uh, of the child and feeding him berries or something over a period of a couple of days and. I flashed back to that missing 411 documentary and I, uh, I took it serious. And I, first thing I did was put, I had a, a Arlo uh, wireless camera system that I hadn't used in a while. I put it back up and put two cameras up. And I was recording a lot of, uh, you know, strange things, but I really couldn't say what it was. Uh, limbs breaking and stuff of that nature, the dogs acting weird. And, but finally on December 3rd, uh, the dogs went to 
to howling and was acting weird. Uh, a dog that I normally got that's very protective, you know, it's been a, been a couple of people, UPS man, the FedEx man, the neighbor down here and stuff, uh, was acting really strange. It uh, was almost whining and like it was scared on mm -hmm. video. I've never seen this dog act like that. It's my mother's dog. And my mother didn't believe it was her, her dog, whenever she watched the video. And uh, I was watching a live video feed on my phone on the cameras and uh, the dog turns around and leaves. And a couple minutes later, uh, you see a bipedal shadow that's approaching directly behind the rear of my house. Well, I've got a security light over here and it casts that uh, creature's shadow out to the side of the house. And that's where my camera picked up the shadow approaching the house. Uh, so I shot a couple of warning shots out the front door and called 911 and had this uh, police department come out. I wanted to file a police report about a, a trespasser. Well, the uh, deputy come out and he said, uh, well, do you think you might know who it is? I'm like, well, I don't know anybody around here except for the VFW and the volunteer fire department. Uh, I don't, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think he's an individual. And he said, like, what do you mean? I said, well, my son had an exciting Back on November the 11th, I believe it was Sasquatch. And I said, the way the dogs were behaving, I think it might have been a Sasquatch approaching my house. I said, because the dogs turned around and left. And I said, I tell you right now, that dog would not turn around and leave if it was just a regular trespasser. He, he sure. tore his ass up. And, uh, well, he's just like, well, I'm going to just fill out your name and address at the top of the police report, and I'll fill out the rest for you. Well, I knew he wasn't going to file that police report. So <laughs> I went down to the sheriff's office uh, first thing the next morning. And I had uploaded the video that you're looking at right now to the YouTube, and that was the first video I loaded to my YouTube page to share with the police department to show them I had a trespasser approaching my house because I was intent on uh, having a paper trail to where if something happened, I would have, you know, c consistent complaints with the police department about a trespasser in case I had to take action. So I went up there and uh, was talking to a deputy and <laughs> He, he tickled me because he said, well, let me ask you a question, Mark. He said, uh, is this seasonal or does it happen all the time? I said, well, since when is trespassing a seasonal event? And he said, I got to smoke a cigarette. Come on outside and let's talk. And uh, we got to talking outside and he said, uh, you know, I told him what I thought it was. And he said, look, he said, he told me that uh, about that time of the year, November, when my son had that sighting, and this was first of December, he said that uh, I guess hunters are entering the woods and they're getting more with them moving around to different properties more, uh, maybe because some of the food sources aren't, aren't on the, uh, you know, like berries and stuff like, like that are sure. no longer available. He said, we get a lot of activity reports about this time. He said, but usually when you shoot like that, uh, they don't ever come back because once you become aware of them and they know that you're aware of them, he said, they, they no longer usually come around. He said, but if you have any more problems, this is my personal cell phone number. You call me. He said, I got a friend of mine that I know that, uh, you know, knows about these things. And he said, uh, I'll uh, put you in contact with him if you keep having, you know, more activity. He actually called me the next morning, but nothing had happened that night. And uh, we chatted a little bit and whatnot, but activity continued to happen. My dog turned up missing uh, December the 12th. And I have the final video that I had him on video. Uh, he's a black Labrador. But he was the one dog that would come off the porch and would bark in the direction of the woods that I needed to be looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, he just never came home December the 12th. Well, uh, December 25th and 26th, December 24th, 25th, 26th was like the most activity. It was crazy. 
them three days. Well, well, before we uh, get there, well, before we get there, Mark, let's go ahead and play the video. We're going to run the clip, and then I've got a uh, somebody who did a an assessment on the emotional state of your dog, who just so happens to be a, a behavioral expert for for pets. Specifically, she's one of the top dog dog trainers in the country. Her name is Gerilyn Cotta. Let's run the tape. Here is your dog, and it's staring at something. Doesn't sound real confident to me, but we'll wait for a moment. Kind of moseys away. And then right about now, you will see in the right-hand corner of your screen, the shadow that we're talking about. This is what it was barking at. Pretty hairy, right? So with that said, here is the analysis of your dog's scream or barks, whatever you want to call them, by Gerilyn. In my expert opinion uh, regarding pets, especially dogs and dog barking, I would call this a distress bark. A distress bark means either I haven't smelled this smell and I haven't heard this sound and I really am worried about it for my parents, or I have smelled this, I have seen this, and I'm warning my parents to, let's get out of here, there's something not right around my house. So that, in my expert opinion, that's how I view this, and uh, wow, those dogs know something's up. I hope their parents listened. Outstanding, huh? She had no idea what we were talking about, what the scenario is here whatsoever. So let's get back to uh, now you're in, you're in January, you're past Christmas, or, or right around Christmas, the activity starts increasing. Go ahead. Yep. The, uh, well, there, I had some videos that I didn't know I had at the time from December the 24th that I hadn't reviewed at the time. Mm -hmm. but on December 25th, uh, I was listening to my live audio feed, and I heard a, a bipedal footsteps running in short, fast bursts. And uh, I believed it to be running between these pine trees over here behind me, uh, headed towards this playhouse area to my left. And uh, so I, I heard the bipedal uh, rapid footsteps and I switched cameras and uh, I had my night vision turned off because if you got infrared lights turned on on the cameras, they're not gonna come around those cameras. So the cameras I have, you have the option in the app to turn the uh, night vision off. Mm -hmm. I have the night vision off, but I caught its eye shine on camera uh, from a video that I recorded from a second camera that was hidden on the playhouse and the eye shine uh, I sent you in a text message mm -hmm. you see the slots of the eyes you can see the pupils uh, you can see the eyes are very far apart and uh, that's when I, I got my flashlight I got my gun I went outside of course I didn't see anything at the time went back inside and uh, turned my camera back on 20 minutes later and there was something sitting in front of the camera this time so I went back out with the flashlight mag light and a uh, 45 pistol didn't see anything again and i want to say that might have been it for that night well the next day on december 26th i called the sheriff again that deputy and i told him flat out i said this thing's in my front yard right out here 
foot from my house, and uh, I heard the footsteps. I got the eye shine. I said, look, if it comes back again tonight, I'm, I'm going to kill it. And uh, now you got to realize people get upset when I say that. Because, you know, they're just curious or whatever. But when you're thrust into this Bigfoot subject that I've never considered to be real, uh, I used to joke at the festival that Troy has every year. My like, Bigfoot festival, I just thought it was a joke or something, you know. But or just uh, an event to take your kids to, nothing that I really took serious. Like they'd be living out here on my property or, or visiting my property. And uh, you're trying to cope with these things actually being real, evading people, uh, having a certain skill set in stealth and evasion, and just try, and you don't know what the what their intent is. Uh, you want to believe they're just curious, but it's just so much so fast to try to, uh, you know, to take in. And when they're just right outside your front door, and you got young kids, uh, you know, your first instinct is not to take a jar of peanut butter out there. Yeah. Like people start getting pissed, they grab the gun. And uh, I told the sheriff right out, I said, when it comes back tonight, I'm going to try to kill it this time. And I shot at it on December 26th after I talked to Troy on the phone. And uh, anyway, uh, it came back again that night. It came right after dark. Matter of fact, uh, about 7 o'clock, uh, it was already here. And I, there, was a, there was a tree right there. It was standing right next to that tree. I had a camera right over here on this playhouse. I turned it on. I seen it standing right beside that tree. Mm -hmm. No eye shine. I saw it on camera. And uh, I grabbed my gun. I went outside. Didn't see it again. Went back inside the house. Uh, come back out again because I heard a bunch of stuff on the camera. And uh, I was standing. The, the driveway is right here behind the camera. I was standing in my driveway looking at the playhouse with my flashlight. And I read to unholster my pistol. And uh, it saw me focused on my gun, and it uh, stood up and relocated behind this playhouse for more cover. And the camera that was hidden on the playhouse over here, uh, whenever it passed in front of my flashlight, it cast a shadow on that horse shed right there. Yeah. And, and uh, the camera picked up the shadow of it moving to relocate to more cover. And I went back inside. I didn't know that at the time. And uh, – I was reviewing the camera footage uh, that was recording when I was outside and I saw that shadow moving. I about freaked out. I didn't even want to tell my wife because that was just like, a, man, you can see this thing and it's, tell it's not human. Uh, it really freaked me out. And I told my wife and she was not happy that night. And I, I said, look, I think it's still out there. I said, just, I'm not going to go outside. It's been outsmarting me two times the previous night, two times already. I said, I'm going to throw the front door open. I got an AR-15 with a night vision scope on it. I'm going to shoot it from the front door. Cause my, you can open up my front door and the uh, playhouse is directly across from my front door. So I opened the front door. Uh, my wife opened the front door and I already had my gun leveled up with the night vision scope on. It was standing behind the playhouse looking at me through the slots of the uh, railing on the, uh, on the playhouse. And we had this little moment where we looked at each other for about 10 seconds. I was looking at it through the night vision scope and it was moving like this to look at me through the slots. And I swear this thing I had to be watching my trigger finger because as soon as I went to pull that trigger, boom, it was gone right when I fired. Mm -hmm. It was already in motion. And uh, they move unbelievably fast. I mean, it is uh, it's supernatural how fast they can take off and run. It's, it's instantaneous burst of speed like that. And uh, I, have, I have a question for you, Troy. Troy, when somebody comes at you with a Sasquatch that is either, um, well, seemingly benevolent but might be malevolent how do you determine um whether or not there's a danger there obviously now mark has a, a family uh and um 
you know, I was kind of wondering what your take is and what do you, what do you recommend to somebody? What is your advice? Well, in this situation, this is, this is kind of a, I'm not going to use the word typical incident. I, I have investigated four different situations similar to Mark's. Um, one resulted in a long-term investigation I did for five years. Um, this particular situation, what, what, you know, in the beginning, as far as aggression is, is now going back to that, he is missing a pet. But one of the things that I have found in some of this is if, take for instance, if the Bigfoots are moving around and they are moving from point A to point B, across the yard, down the road or whatever, across the driveway, and they have children and a dog gets too close, it has been known that they will protect themselves. Now, but as far as a law enforcement mindset, just because the dog's missing, we do not have any evidence that Bigfoot has did that. Yeah. We suspect of that, but that part of Oklahoma, I mean, we've got mountain lions and, you know, got cougars and there's all kinds there is one is the dogs is gone and yeah. from a law enforcement officer standpoint too sometimes people steal dogs and there's people that on county roads drive up and find a dog you know there's 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 different ways going on it going back sure. to your original question though listening to mark you know when we get there mark tells a story and we have to take a look around but there's other you know there's other people living on this property now, what's unique and what led me to believe that this is not being aggressive is the fact that his, you know, he, he, there's other people living on this property and they're not having this type of thing. This is directed kind of in a sense towards Mark. So Mark also has the young children there. Yeah. He has pets there. There, we have find that, okay, well, Bigfoots are coming on this property. Well, sometimes everybody wants to look at the Bigfoot. Why are the Bigfoots coming on there? You know, there's, you know, they look at the Bigfoots. Well, we turn around and kind of look at the person. What's going on with the person? What, what's driving them to come on the property? And sometimes it's people related. We, from, from a native standpoint, you know, is led to believe from, from, from native culture that they choose who they want to be seen by. They choose who they want to be around. So, there's an un, you know, until we can interview the Bigfoot, we're, we're not going to know. We're not going to know the reason why. It's all speculation. Mm -hmm. But not having any type of, of aggression towards a house or not smashing the house, or not beating on the house, or not finding claw marks, you know, and he's not finding his animal, you know, tortured or, or you know, dead on the property. The horses get freaked out but there's nothing happening to the horses so as far as an aggression I, you know that's the first thing we looked at to the sense of well there everybody else on the property is not having a problem it's directed towards mark's family so yeah. there is a attraction there and it may be the little ones because mark and i have have, have spoken plenty of times and we stay in touch and we come to find out that yeah there's stuff going on behind mark um there, there is a situation that now there's been some big ones there, but he's probably dealing with some of these younger juveniles that are roughly Mark, Mark and I size, which tends to leave that they have that attraction because they see how the kids are playing on the, on the, on the, on the play toy and they're out in the yard doing things. So 
this is also the same thing that's happened at these other properties that I've been investigating. It's almost identical. You're just changing the name of the place and the location mm -hmm. in the act similar. Except these want to have a much closer <laughs> much closer encounter with Mark than than what's comfortable. But well they're curious. They're I mean, we've already established the fact in your investigation, or you by now, that it, these are not people who are walking through his property, uh, right. peeping tom, being peeping toms, or or, or or anything like that. These are clearly, in your opinion, they're Sasquatch. Other people in the area have seen these as well. Um, I I've asked Mark that's one of the questions that we go to is since since you know when we stand there, and the road, there's some other people that live on that road, and other people live in that area. And that's typically another question is, is we usually asked, has any of your neighbors made a comment or have you had any conversations with your neighbors? Uh, Mark can probably talk about that. But as far yeah. as sighting area, there have back to, back to the West is a, a muddy boggy creek. And we've had reports from that area and that, that, that drains past him and goes down towards the Red River. So he's in a prime spot. Yeah, so Mark, what about that? Have people in your neighborhood also seen these? Have they witnessed it? And what do they look like? Well, I'll tell you, I didn't talk to my uh, neighbors until uh, after my wife and my kids, had, uh, I moved them to Arkansas uh, during uh, Christmas break. And I went to talk to my neighbors to see if they had any kind of, see if they had children. Because I knew that my kids were the only ones that got off the school bus on, on, on the road that I live on. And uh, I went and talked to three of my neighbors and or three or four of them uh next door neighbor that we bought the property from he just kind of chuckled he never had he used to live here he never had any kind of experience or anything ever happened while he lived here and i believe he inherited this uh property from family uh the other people that i talked to he's got a couple of kids never and he had an interesting story on december the 24th a day that i i didn't know uh on december 24th but there was that was the activity day that i caught the uh Three adults behind the leaning tree that was taken on December 24th. Which we'll be showing the picture of. So we, as you're explaining some of these pictures, we're going to be pull, putting them up on the edit after we do the interview. So people will be able to see exactly what we're talking about. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. On December 24th, uh, he was over at his mother's house who lives on this road also, and they were having, you know, Christmas dinner. And his, uh, his niece was at the back door that has a glass back door. And she said, who's that man out there by the woods? And they said, went out there, they didn't see anybody. They actually went out there to look to see if it was somebody like a, you know, somebody stalker or something like that. Never did find anybody. He said, that's weird that you bring that up on December 24th because he said, my niece said, who's that man standing out there by the woods uh, hmm. on the same day that I know that there was activity here at my house. Uh, and I talked to one more neighbor and his dog come up missing also about the same time that mine did around December 12th. I think his dog went missing December 14th. Hmm. He's the only other guy that has two young kids on this street. Uh, I want to say his kids are four and nine, two boys. Yeah. And uh, I showed him some stuff that I had on my phone and just told him, to, you know, if your kids come to you, tell you of an experience, you know, you might want to consider it to be valid or set out to validate their experience, you know, put some cameras up or something, because, you know, it could be something to it. Now, so, we yeah. do have, you, you do have some, there's a video of, a really small one, uh, almost a, a very, uh, maybe a baby. It seems to be really tiny trying to hide from uh, your flashlight or your uh, security cam light. Uh, so um, explain the size and what, what transpired with that. We'll pull that one up as well. And then um, you took some very interesting pictures. Um, they were from uh, a, a camera 
quite a distance away. And unfortunately, uh, um, the focal range of these security cameras uh, don't take into consideration trying to record highly camouflaged Sasquatch from 100 yards that stand motionless for as long as they want to. So um, explain what these look like. These, uh, are they chimp-like? Do they look like humans? Um, how big are they? Um, what, what can you deduce from the experience that you've had so far? Well, the first one I saw on December 25th, the juvenile, yeah. uh, it was about six foot, very, very skinny. Me and Troy had a conversation about that. I said, man, I'm not so sure that's a big foot. I said, this thing's so skinny, it looks like a Pine Bluff crackhead where I moved from, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. It was like, like a crackhead following me from Pine Bluff or something. I said, this thing was so skinny, it had a thigh gap. You could put a soda pop can between this thing's legs and never touch either leg. Hmm. It had a thigh gap, make these women jealous out there. And it was that skinny. And uh, I said, you know, I'm not sure that was a Sasquatch. And, and me and Troy, he showed me some... Uh, game camera uh photographs out of like philadelphia or something like that where they had a juvenile caught on a game camera and it, sure enough it looked like what uh what i had saw uh that was the first one uh the uh the adults back there my son saw you know one with a white face and he said dad there was two of them well the on december 24th my horses was moving across the pasture kind of a brisk pace away from the tree line so i zoomed in on that tree line and i saw large black you know Sasquatch behind the leaning tree. That's Captain Morgan. I say he's got his arm wrapped around that, that tree like this. My arm won't even go around that tree. He's got it all the way around there, his head hanging down. And uh, then you see the one with the white face and another black one. Uh, the uh, when I, that, I believe that to be out al the alpha male, the Captain Morgan one. It's just a guess. Uh, he looks more, you know, ape or primate like. The mother with the white face looks more human like. So I mean, uh. The, and the other black one looks more, you know, primate-like. So I, I guess there's, you know, a variance in that, depending on, I guess, the breeding population. I guess it's just speculation. But Plus, uh, the, the, the size comparison, you had a, a friend of yours locate himself in the same exact position, and you did a comp, and there was quite a differential in size. Yeah, he was three, he's 300 pounds, six foot, and he stood in the same spot. And he, he just, you know, this, the, the, the large male and the female, they were at least two and a half foot taller than him. Hmm. Uh, 650 pounds or something like that. You know, they, they, they were huge. And I've actually seen one bigger than that since then here recently. Me and my son was walking down the power line a couple of weeks ago, and it was the biggest one I've seen yet. He had to be at least 10 foot tall. Uh, he was so far away, but you can still see him clear as day because he was, he was huge. He crossed that power line, never looked at us. My son stalked him out of the uh, tree line. But anyway, I was getting ahead, but. Well, 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 Troy, let me ask you a question. How many different archetypes of Sasquatch are there in your region, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas? Because I've heard reports that, that some look more human. Um, Mark alluded to a, a skinny one. Um, what, what's, your, what's your take on that? Uh, they're just like us. They come in various you know, sizes, heights, hair color, demeanors, attitudes, facial uh, you know, composition of the way the face are. Um, I've done investigations out in far uh, southwest uh, Texas down by um, uh, Garner, Garner State Park. Uh, they are just, they're, they're not as big, bulky, not as muscular. Uh, up in North Texas, uh, where I had the five-year uh, habituation site investigation, mm -hmm. or basketball-type body shape. Really tall, very lengthy, very muscular, but just not, bulky um it's superly fast i mean just 
anonymously, I don't even know the word to use, tough, fast. Uh, in Southeast Oklahoma, they're a little bit more uh, robust. They're a lot more thicker. They're, they look more like a linebacker. They're very thick, uh, very muscular. Going down to the face, I, I have heard the reports. I've, 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 I've talked to some witnesses and some of our, our other investigators. I've talked to witnesses over the period, of the course of years, and, and it crosses between the ape-type looking, very leather skin looking, uh, kind of a, a wild, flat nose, you know, big cheeks, a robust forehead with a conical shape. But I've actually seen quite a few that just, I mean, they had a more human, human, uh, some of them, the, the one male that I've seen quite often in, in near Honubi, um, he's got a very stoic, very, very intelligent looking uh, face. Um, do you, post, do, you, do you postulate that the interbreed, hence you get such a variety in appearance? In appearance? There, there's been some, there is speculation with that. Um, I'm also connected to, of course, you know, the, the DNA project with Dr. Ketchum. And, and there is some discussions about that. There may be some validity to that because the fact that there's a few investigations we have, we have taken that the people living at these particular properties are dealing with a one one Bigfoot and his attitude is is very um uh I won't use Mark's description <laughs> of a <laughs> he's very bi very bipolar very you know just one minute he, he's throwing things one minute he's calm so if interbreeding in the human population leads to certain um uh clinical um word I'm trying to find um they're they're uh i'm having a brain meltdown here they're 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 clinical their um cognitive learning and their cognitive brain reasoning you know in that interbreeding aspect mm -hmm. given that same example with maybe in the bigfoot community if they're interbreeding to keep their population going and that's the only way that they're able to do that not saying that they do or don't but in a speculation if they are interbreeding with that to keep the population going you could have certain ones that may have similar type of cognitive cognitive learning issues sure sure bipolar and which can cause some of the ones that act wild and crazy and and can be so it is not out of the question 100 percent. yeah i think um they have learning disabilities i might i've heard the same stories where they appear to be very manic um yeah. like a 17 year old <laughs> well what's it <laughs> interesting with that is yeah i conduct a lot of investigations where again we don't look at the bigfoot we look at the people yeah. there is a trend that i've taken notice of over the last 15 years that sometimes some of the families where the children human families and the children in the family have more visual sightings and have a kind of a stare down out the front door or out the window into the woods what i have found though a great number that in the children of the human family, they either have um, Down syndrome or they're autistic, or they have some sort of, uh, some of them may have, are gifted in a way that they, they have a, a deep perception of, of more than, Asperger's, than the Asperger's syndrome. Correct. So the Bigfoot, in some regards, having their ability to have 
certain types of perception that we are not aware of that they may be a lot more um the ability to sense things more than what we credit for so there's a lot of studies to be done there's a lot of stuff but mark's situation is unique um you know all these other properties i deal with the difference in mark's scenario is is these guys that are visiting him are not afraid to (laughs) get up close to the house when mark is right there to engage so mark tell us more so we're up into about january your dog's been missing um you took this picture from a distance of uh, three different individuals um observing you uh, your family and where are we now or, or catch us up through february and I mean, you've been obviously on the uh, ranch for quite some time now because of the uh covid situation so break us down what's going on well uh December 27th is uh, well. I talked to Troy for the first time when the sheriff came out on December 26th and he contacted Troy. I had a conversation with him and uh, Troy came out the next day on December 27th. And that was the day that I actually realized what I had from December 24th to the, the adults. And uh, Troy and I, we walked through the woods and, he, uh, and another guy he brought with him. And, uh, and I tell you what bothers me, I know that people say they're just curious and I truly believe that they are, but it's, the, it's their persistence to approach my house that was really bothering me and was really hard to cope with because it was so much so soon. And at the time, December 24th, when I, that camera recorded those three different adults, there were 19 game cameras surrounding my home in the woods uh, that we put up before Christmas. And these things navigated around all 19 of those cameras uh, to get to that vantage point where they could see that playhouse on December the 24th. And that, that persistence just had me worried. And I knew that Troy had given me some things to, that I needed to do with security lights and stuff of that nature, cut back brush. And uh, I was just concerned for my kids. And I told my wife, I think it'd be best if she went to stay with her mother until uh, I can get all these things completed to where I felt safer having her and the kids uh, back at the house. So she went to go stay at her mom's initially for two weeks. Uh, and they came back on January the 17th for the weekend. And the activity died off after the kids were gone. And they came on December or January 17th for the weekend. And the very next day, and I didn't got cocky, I guess, that, that since the activity didn't die off, it wasn't until later on that night, the kids got here Friday at 10 p.m. on the 17th. And then it was Saturday night. I was checking my video feed. And damn, if I didn't have another five more videos of that a smaller black adult behind that same leaning tree at 10.30 that morning uh, the very next day. And uh, I didn't realize at the time uh, when it was going down that, that he was out there, but I seen the video later on that night. And that, and that really bothered me because the activity died off when the kids left, and these things were aware that the kids were back and was out there the very next morning. They got here at 10 o'clock that night, and this thing was out there at 10.30 the next morning. Yeah. So it's got to be around the house. A house paying attention really close and uh so my wife didn't stay with the kids they went back to arkansas and you know it's just something that we i felt like i didn't want to take a chance and troy had talked to me he said mark i'm telling you you know they're just curious, curious. i said troy i understand that i said but man it's just hard to to to, to you know in the you know the wages my kids and i just can't take a chance time and and, and Troy everything Troy has told me has come to pass exactly how he said it was but it's just been hard to to put all your faith in that and uh and 
not try to take action against against these creatures. And I really don't. I don't have any kind of animosity. I really don't want to to kill one. I, my goal is is not to to get rid of them or to shoot them or nothing. I want them to stay in the woods, and I stay in my yard. And I just want a boundary, you know, to where we respect each other's boundaries. Uh, I never entered the woods before my dog disappeared, and I've been here four years. Never walked in those woods and until the dog come up missing. And uh, I still don't go out there, you know, very often. And I, I took all the game cameras around my house. I took those out of the woods because I, I want to show them in a way that the woods are theirs. I don't have cameras in the woods. All my cameras are in my yard or on my home. And want them to, to stay, you know, out of my yard. But I tell you, it's the juveniles that like messing with me. And I was telling this to Troy the other day. I said, it's like Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. They're like getting me all worked up. And uh, I come out in my new Acme night vision goggles and, you know, thermal cameras and everything. A thermal camera right here. And uh, they beep, beep, take off. It's just, it's, it's just a fun thing for them to uh, – because I tell you, that's one thing that, that really bothered me was when I come outside with my gun and my flashlight, this thing does not see me as a threat to retreat to the woods. It's like it's confident enough in its evasion skills and stealth. It's like I'm going to stay right here just out maneuver this fat boy around this damn playhouse. And uh, it, it didn't perceive me as a threat enough to retreat to the woods. It just stayed yeah. right there and out maneuver me. And uh, has supreme confidence in its abilities. And uh, it's like Wiley Cow. And, and, and so now, the other night, I saw another shadow passing right here in front of the playhouse, and the camera on the back caught the shadow walking across the yard. I just kept on watching TV. I didn't even bother going out there. I'm not going to let them to get a rise out of me anymore like that. I come out there gunning flashlights and them, you know, only in them rifles and everything like that. Hey, baby. <laughs> and uh, this is the boy that, uh, that saw the one with the white face and all that good stuff, my son Travis. Hi, Travis. Travis, was it a big one? Over there? <laughs> so, now, so now, Mark, you've got a laissez-faire um, attitude, I guess, regarding this group of Sasquatch. You're concerned for your children, your family, but you seem to be sort of in a mode of live and let live and with, with no interference, yeah. providing they don't interfere with you. I, I keep a close eye on my kids. Uh, you know, I, we practice the no point of separation. Yeah. Where... Somebody always has eyes on the kids. Uh, not, you know, and I don't believe that they would take one of my kids necessarily, but, you know, it's just uh, you never can tell. Like I said, you never know, you know, right? I have a rogue one yeah. or something like that. Or yeah. Might be curious on a Tuesday and a kidnapper on a Wednesday. I don't know. So we just keep an eye on the kids. I know my daughter is especially sensitive uh, to them when they're around. Uh, she'll be swinging her swing, and all of a sudden she'll just – that neck towards that tree line and watch that tree line gently yeah. up. Uh, and I had a, I got a video on my YouTube to where that camera outside picks up a faint melodic whistle. And I've heard this whistle before from my bedroom and you can barely hear it with headphones on, but my daughter immediately wakes up and starts crying after that thing. Whistles. Um, yeah. And, uh, Travis, she, how many times have you seen them? Hold up your fingers. One, two, three times. How many times have you seen one? One time? Was it bigger than dad? <laughs> okay. Okay. There he goes. He's a little one. He's cute. Okay. So Troy, are they doing the right thing over there? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I luckily I've had several of these investigations experience prior to March. So I was able to kind of 
you know, lend Mark some, some, some wisdom in this. I knew Mark's position. I knew where his mind was and I didn't want to push to position with Mark. I knew, I knew where his mind was, you know, if he didn't have kids there, then it'd be obviously a different story. So one of those is, is, is I knew in my heart pretty much what was going on. And Mark was going to have to be in that situation where he's going to kind of have to kind of figure it out to accept it in his own mind because I could sit in there all day long and, and, and tell him, you know, everything that I know and show him everything, but it's going to require Mark to come to an agreement with what he is comfortable with. And now that he has kind of gotten a little bit further over onto that side of the fence now that he is a little bit more and he's not, you know, uh, and we try to advocate to people don't be shooting, but you know, you can't tell another, another man how not to protect his property and, you know, or his family, him. quite frankly. So, yeah. Um, because shooting sometimes leads to a, a possible negative situation, but knowing what is going on with his cameras and what he's videoing and what his interaction is, I pretty much knew that the juveniles are the ones that are just, they're just playing with him. And, you know, yeah. the Y80 Coyote and, and, and Mark, Mark said it, he said it right. You know, they're just, they're out there playing games. And I think, uh, Mark has learned a lot. And Mark has learned more in the last four or five months than most people learn probably their entire life of dealing with uh, research yeah. Bigfoot. Mark's yeah. learned more than anybody else has learned in four months. So. Where does the investigation go from here? Um, well, like the other properties, you know, I become good friends with everybody and, and, and I will always stay in, in, in touch with Mark. Matter of fact, I go, I kind of go right by his place uh, quite often when I'm, I'm going over to uh, Southeast Oklahoma to our, my property. Um, it's going to be an ongoing because Mark's not moving. And obviously the, the uh, y Yote Coyote situation is not leaving. So one of it is, is Mark's going to gain some, some, a lot of experience. And what's most interesting is in this is, Mark's kids are going to grow up with this. Mark's kids are going to grow up knowing this and learning from this. So you have some, some future uh, experts coming yeah, up. Experiencers. The yes. Yes. Um, they are going to be, they are going to be able to help people later down the road. Cause this is what this is all about. This yeah. is, you know, we learn from each other and there's going to be somebody else. There's going to be somebody else just like Mark's property somewhere that we're going to get a call on or, or Mark, you know, the key, what I'm looking for is in the event that this happens again, somewhere else, I have the ability to call Mark and Mark to come out and to help talk with the landowners and help share his experience by his experience. What he's learning now is probably going to help somebody a little bit later sure. down the road. Sure. Mark, you getting any sleep at night? How about you, Travis? You getting a lot of sleep at night? You okay? Oh, he sleeps just fine. I, I, I started taking medication so I could sleep better at night. Oh, really? I slept several times, but there's nothing like it was whenever I was trying to get answers. And uh, I used to sleep with my cameras on live feed because they got microphones on them. And I sleep with headphones on and just try to try to get as much sleep as I could. But I was always listening while I was sleeping or trying to sleep. Uh, I don't do that anymore. People say, oh, well, you got some new videos? I'm like, well, I, I'm not trying to really – capture videos like I was because everything that I caught the camera didn't do it for me I was already sitting there watching with headphones on and recording not knowing something was fixing to happen and then something would happen and that's how I caught 
about everything that I got. I don't do that anymore. I don't sit there and watch live feed unless the dogs, I hear the dogs going crazy outside. Uh, I still capture some stuff every now and then, but nothing like I did back in December because I don't invest all the time that I did. And I mean the time to sit there and try new things, moving cameras around and uh, watching the live feed and analyzing everything. I don't do that anymore. As long as nothing tries to enter my home, I'll be all right. Well, guys, stay in touch with me. Um, keep me informed as things progress in the investigation. And as you have more experiences, I really want to uh, thank you very much for joining me tonight on our first, our debut uh, run of, uh, of the Phenomenon Report. Uh, and again, um, we'll be in touch and this will be going out here shortly. And so let's make sure that everybody likes it and subscribes to it. We'll have uh, one of these every week and hopefully we could bring you information regarding the unknown. That's what this podcast is all about. It is a podcast concerning the unknown. We're trying to get to the bottom of everything here, folks. Again, Troy Hudson, thank you very much. Mark Copeland, Travis Copeland, thank you very much. I'm Kelly Kleinman for the Phenomenon Report. Thank you very much.